When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Empire. Hello and welcome to my podcast. Do me a favor and subscribe where you can, Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcast. And you can find us on YouTube at Empire Media, A-M-P-I-R-E, There, you go there, you can like it, subscribe, and even leave a comment. I'll do my best to reply. Today, I'm joined by my good friend, Mike Jones from USA Today, as we touch on a variety of topics fresh off the scouting combine. The word around Washington and owner Dan Snyder, the quarterback cycle, Amari Cooper, Mike's impression of Malik Willis after spending some time around him last week. What comparisons has he heard? By the way, you can follow Mike on Twitter at ByMikeJones. We also we do discuss Washington's pursuit of a quarterback, and with the new league year around the corner, it begins at 4 p.m. Eastern time on March 16th, that pursuit has become more serious. The commanders clearly would like to find a veteran and have that guy in place to then help attract free agents. Money helps, but if you want to land another receiver, it's going to be difficult to do so with an unsettled quarterback situation. They tried to trade for Russell Wilson. And as I've been telling you, they're going to attempt to trade for just about anybody who's any good if they think they're free. So, yeah, they're still in on Derek Carr. And, yes, they're still considering Deshaun Watson. As Mike and I discussed, there are a lot of legal hurdles involved with Watson. Some could be quite damaging, of course. But, yes, they remain interested. To what level in terms of how aggressive they'll be, I don't know yet. I know that he's been a person that they have considered. As I've mentioned before the combine, they've called every team that has a quarterback possibly available. Houston qualifies as one such team. The hard part for Washington, if Philadelphia gets involved, and if Watson is okay going there, the Eagles can offer more because they have three first-round picks this year. And if Carolina wants them, as they reportedly have before, then it can offer a top-10 pick right now. So that already tops what Washington can offer this year. What the package is, who knows? Again, I don't know if we're at that point yet um, with how serious it is. I don't know. I just know that he has been a guy that has been on their radar. With Carr, and I talked to Mike about this, he wants an extension. Will the Raiders give him one, or would they be content to let him play it out and then tag him if they want to keep him? Now, for Carr, he also knows that tag is there possibly as well. If the tag does not always go south the way it has here, but the Raiders can control his rights for a couple more years if they want. I've heard from multiple people that owner Mark Davis, not the biggest car fan as a player. I don't know that that's any secret. I've also heard that Josh McDaniel really liked Jimmy Garoppolo when they were both with the Patriots. So would they try to make a move for Garoppolo? If they can't get something done with Carr, or if they think they can get two good picks for Carr, and trade for someone who is a, maybe a few spots below him on the QB roster, on the QB um, chart, whatever that is, but one that the coach knows, of course, I think they might do that. I don't have any idea what McDaniel thinks of Garoppolo now, 
and with all with because it's been a few years since the end with the Patriots, and there's been a few injuries in there, including the shoulder one right now that would require surgery. But that's the one scenario where Carr could be available. And again, I don't know that he is, but I what I do know is Washington's going to have dialogue with the Raiders, or that you know clearly they've again talked to every team. And that's a team that you would have to put on that list. Listen, until someone slams a door in your face, you're going to keep trying. And that's what they're doing. They've made their pursuit public because I do think they want people to know how much they're trying. The hard part is there could be all this talk about big names and the end result could be a Mitch Trubisky or a Teddy Bridgewater, guys that aren't going to excite the local fan base. But I also know if you want Malik Willis, then you have to hope they get one of those free agent veteran types. It, it buys him time. To, you could throw Carson Wentz on there too if he becomes free. It buys him time to learn the NFL game, and they don't have to rush him. I know his arm was great at the combine. We already knew that. We already knew he was athletic. There's a lot he and any rookie must learn, so having a vet would help, especially with somebody coming from a small school like Liberty. As of now, I'd be surprised if Trubisky signed here if he knew Willis would be a possibility. I think if he felt they were taking someone in, say, the third or maybe even the second round, he'd feel differently. But if you're trying to revive your career and you, you want to go somewhere where you can not only win the job, but if you play well, keep it for a few years. This isn't just about money for him because he, he's already made a lot of money. So what he's got to do is set himself up to play. And I know this from talking to people in the league. The thinking for him is go somewhere where even if you take less money, go for the best opportunity to revive your career. Now, if, if that's if all things are equal. Maybe Washington gives them the best opportunity. You know, maybe in the end, others are just going to offer him a one-year deal. Maybe you give him a couple years and, and he can see. But, you know, we'll see. But that's one But that's one scenario. And I do think, again, his time would be short here if, if, if they have Willis as well. But I do know the desire to be, for Washington would be to pair similar style quarterbacks like, you know, for example, Trubisky and Willis are both athletic. Athletic. You could throw Wentz in there if they went out and got him. Trubisky was raw coming out of college as well. Played at a higher level than Willis did, but he only started one year. That's That was that gave teams some pause, not the Bears. Um, but it did give others some pause. But it is why I think there's some intrigue there with him. Did he? They, there were some things that he showed with Chicago. How much did he learn really in that one year with with Buffalo and um, how much can that pay off? Was it really all Matt Nagy's fault? Um, I, I don't know that it was, but I think that's gonna be what some people will will consider when they go to sign. But again, I don't think he's gonna break the bank. The last I heard, would you, you could say around 10 million a year. Um, if it gets above, if there are multiple teams involved, maybe it goes above that. Anyway, that's it for me. After this break, I'll be back with Mike Jones from USA Today what he's hearing about Washington and what he learned about quarterback Malik Willis. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America NA, member FDIC. Guys, if you're looking for that extra confidence when it's time to have a little bit of fun, let me tell you about BlueChew.com. 
Blue Chew is a unique online service. It delivers the same active ingredients as Viagra and Cialis, but it comes in chewable form and it's at a fraction of the cost. Blue Chew's tablets will help you combat all forms of ED. Plus, it's an online prescription service. No visits to the doctor's office, no awkward conversations, no waiting in line at the pharmacy, and it ships right to your door in a discreet package. The process is really simple. Sign up at bluechew.com, consult with one of their licensed medical providers, and once you are approved, you'll receive your prescription within days, and the best part, all done online. Blue Chew's licensed medical providers are going to work with you to find the right ingredient and the strengths for your personal subscription. Plus, their tablets are made in the United States. They prepare, they ship direct, and it's so much cheaper than going through a pharmacy. And here's a special deal for our listeners. Try Blue Chew free when you use our promo code KIME, K-E-I-M, at checkout. Just pay $5 shipping. That's bluechew.com, promo code KIME, K-E-I-M, to receive your first month free. And we thank Blue Chew for being a sponsor of our show. Welcome back. Now, here's my conversation with Mike Jones from USA Today. Again, you can follow him on Twitter at ByMikeJones. Mike, a week back from spending a week at the Combine. First of all, have you recovered yet? It always takes a while. And I, I'm finding that the older I get, um, the, the longer uh, it takes to bounce back. And I, I was kind of smart. I kind of tapered um, my nights as the week went along uh, because... You know, the thing about the combine is, yes, you have the day where you're doing interviews with the prospects uh, and, and catching up with people. But a lot of the work happens after hours and some late, late nights uh, with catching up with scouts and coaches and general managers and agents and stuff. So it's like you're working 20 hour days. So it's um, it, it takes a little while to recover from. It's also something that's gotten harder because there's so many people there. So it's harder sometimes to get time with some people unless you're waiting for them late at night too. And the way, and the, because the timing of it has changed as well. Yeah, no, you're exactly right. And that, that kind of um, has made it even more complicated because um, you know, instead before there was like a dinner hour, uh, but now everything is so late because of the prime time. So a lot of those guys aren't coming out till, you know, not getting done with interviews until 11 o'clock at night. Um, and, and, and so, yeah, it just makes the days even longer and it's just not, it's, it's great for TV purposes, but even for the athletes, um, the coaches, it's not as practical as it could be. Right. Well, so let's talk about some of the things you may have learned from there. Obviously not everything you're going to have be able to divulge, but just about some prospects. And I want to start with Malik Willis, since you just wrote about him a couple of days ago in USA Today. And for people who want to see it, go back and check it out. Um, what did you learn about him just from the interview and the stories that you had to write on him and just being around him um, for at least a little bit? I, I really liked his mental makeup. Um, he is very confident, but um, is, is also um, very down to earth. Um, had a, had a hump humility to him and also doesn't get, doesn't seem like he gets too high or too low. Um, doesn't buy into the hype machine. Um, really just, it seemed like, but he has some humor to him as well. Uh, he knows who he is. He felt like he was comfortable in his own skin um, and, and wasn't trying to, to be 
anything. He wasn't trying to put on a show. Right. Um, and then I think one of the most impressive things was he didn't even realize it was being taped was after his interviews, you know, he was seen on the street giving right. clothes to homeless people. Right. Um, you know, and, and I also saw one point during the uh, he's walking through the convention center because there are, you know, fans can come into certain parts of that. And this kid, I mean, he stopped and was very gracious and signed stuff um, where normally, you know, players aren't you're not supposed to, you know, there are signs saying no autographs, no autographs. Uh, but he, he was there and, you know, had no problem taking some time out for some young fans. Um, but again, he had great answers, well thought out, was a thoughtful person, um, you know quick to give credit to other people, his parents, his coaches. Um, and, you know, I just really, and again, like I said, he had some humor to him. Uh, and I was like, you know, if we're just drafting based off of personality, sell the house, sell the farm right. and, and move up high and get him, uh, you know, so, so we'll see now, as far as his performance goes um, from talking to um, NFL talent evaluators, they didn't really learn a whole lot because they'd seen him at the senior bowl, um, you know, throwing, but they felt like, Hey, he can definitely throw. He's going to take some time. The best situation would be for him to go somewhere where there's a veteran and he can kind of, you know, learn and soak things up. Uh, but uh, he, he definitely has improved some on his fundamentals. Uh, he talked about needing to improve his footwork and his base to help improve his accuracy. And uh, from what they said, it looked like he's taking strides and he's still not anywhere close to a finished product, but they did see some growth out of him. And he's got such a high ceiling. That's why he's very intriguing. You know, and you had in your story and some of these comps I've heard as well. Tell people some of the comps that you heard for him. Yeah, there were people who were saying that, you know, he could be a Donovan McNabb, Steve McNair type uh, that he reminded him of them. Now, Steve McNair was bigger. Um, he is similar in size to Donovan McNabb when Donovan McNabb was coming out. Um, that's 6'1", 225. And now McNabb obviously got a little bigger uh, once in the league, but similar size. Yeah, a little bit um, bigger when he was here, too. Oh, quite. Yeah, yeah, definitely. <laughs> um, uh, and so, uh, but, but you know, as far as the athleticism, the, the big arm, the things he can do, uh, they feel like there's a high ceiling. Now, again, that's that's high praise, you know, that's, uh, you know. And, and some people I talked to said he's one of the most athletic, most gifted athletic quarterbacks coming out in some time. Now, I'm like, whew, that, that sounds a little bit, you know, kind of crazy considering, you know, some of the guys, like, I mean, like Lamar Jackson, um, you know, but there's a lot to like there with him from a physical standpoint. Still somewhat, I guess it's not quite early in this process, still got another month and a half or so where he ends up not team but area is it hard to determine that at this point because it does seem like sometimes you hear top 10 sometimes you hear he'll be here at 11 if Washington wants him sometimes you hear a little bit later yeah you know I still think it's super early and I think there's a lot of stuff flying around a man heard that you know depending on how he does and interviews and things like that he could go as high to as to Carolina you know what I mean um but then other people again like you said say middle of the first round late for you know it, nobody really knows right now. Um, I I do think that there's a chance he could be there in the middle um, of the first round. But again, it's just speculation. Uh, again, there's some people who will fall in love with a different guy. Uh, there are, are some talent evaluators I've talked to and said that they only have first round grades on um, the kid from Ole Miss and on Willis. Uh, then other people think that, uh, you know, the, the Pittsburgh quarterback could be a first runner. So there's a lot of differing opinions. 
a lot more homework and checking of the boxes, cross-referencing that has to do before teams really make up their minds. And I know like Martin Mayhew told, said when he was spoke at the podium that there's no consensus QB one. And that's exactly what, you know, you've heard from a lot of people throughout this process. Um, looking at the, let's go to some veteran free agents because that's going to happen before we do the draft. Amari Cooper, what do you think is going to happen there? And what kind of market do you think he'll have? Well, I think that he's going to get released. It seems like that is, and I had been hearing that a little bit, uh, you know, leading up to combine week there. Um, so it looks like he probably will be. Now, I wouldn't be surprised if Washington is a team that goes after him. I think that there are definitely teams that will go out there. I mean, this guy um, can, can really help you. Now, it's just the price tag is the thing with Dallas and, you know, that, they will, you know, they have young guys that they they feel good about. They'd rather, um, you know, part ways with him and commit to those guys with a, maybe a brighter future and a little more affordable. But, you know, we know Washington tried to get him before. Uh, so they would be a team I would expect. I expect there would be a number of teams. Cleveland could be another team that could be interested in him, you know, because they, they want to get somebody opposite Jarvis Landry. Um, but I think a number of teams would be interested in having somebody of his caliber uh, to help boost their offense. How important for Washington is it to have a quarterback in place before he comes free? Oh, for sure. Because, I mean, yeah, somebody can throw money at you, but who's going to be throwing you the ball? You know, um, I think any wide receiver, especially guy who's been around a couple of the, for a little while, uh, wants to make sure that he's going to be put in position to succeed. I don't know that, you know, you're going to get a lot of people wanting to sign on if you don't know who your quarterback's going to be. And I think that's why Washington's priority is to get a veteran quarterback uh, to, to sell uh, potential free agents on coming here. Where do you, now, obviously, we don't know what's going to happen, but what do you think, like, what do you think ultimately for Washington ends up, who ends up at quarterback? I mean, what's your, this is a guess, but what do you think, what do you think? It's not going to be anybody sexy. Um, it's not going to be a Russell Wilson or Aaron Rodgers or Deshaun Watson. It's probably going to be somebody like Mitch Trubisky or a Carson Wentz. Um, you know, maybe, I mean, we can see maybe about Jimmy Garoppolo. Um, but, you know, if you're him, if you look at this roster and you look at some other rosters out there, is, you know, is this one desirable enough? I don't know. Uh, but again, obviously, Maybe it will be out of Jimmy's hands if, you know, there's a trade, you know, type of thing. Uh, but I don't think that they're going to wind up being able to get a real frontline guy. Um, yes, they'll try. Um, and I know that was floated out there last week that they tried with Russell Wilson, but Seattle has no intention of trading him. But I do think that we're more so thinking about, you know, a Trubisky, a Wentz, you know, some of those second, thirdish tier type of guys. And, and obviously any quarterback that has a pulse of a chance of being moved, they will be calling about. So one right. of those guys would be Derek Carr, because until he signs that extension and the Raiders commit to him long-term, there's always going to be that opening. I would think, what do you think happens there? And, and I know like the, they have to have a path to another quarterback as well, but what do you think happens? Right. Um, well, I think that they get him redone. I mean, cause the problem is this, if you don't re-sign him, what's your next, you know, best option, you know, um, because <clears throat> Mariota's going to be a free agent as well. Um, so, I mean, that's another one that we didn't throw in there uh, for Washington, uh, but um, I'm pretty sure that he was one. Uh, he'll be a free agent. Yeah, he'll be a free agent. Um, so, I mean, that's another one that Washington can maybe consider. But if you're the, if you're the Raiders, 
again, it's not like you can trade him for a bunch of picks and get a surefire game changer quarterback in the first round. Um, you know, they want to win. They're trying to secure that fan base there. Um, they've got a new stadium trying to attract people. If you're having a restart at quarterback and you, you know, you're much better off going with the guy who got you into the playoffs and Derek Carr, um, getting him taken care of and continue to build. I imagine that working with him is something that appealed uh, to Josh McDaniel. So, um, you know, last year, early in the year, it was looking a little bit shaky there uh, for his tenure there. Yes, I know they still have to get that taken care of, but I feel like he's going to be there um, in uh, Las Vegas. The one scenario where I could see maybe is if they just say that's the price tag is too much for us. And right. Josh McDaniel says, you know what? I had Jimmy G in, in New England and I liked him there. We can go get him. That's the one scenario where you can see, oh, okay. Or if they were get, got to Sean, but otherwise, you know, all these teams, like if you have a good quarterback, you don't get rid of them. Right. And then the other thing is, okay, so say they do, but I mean, okay, is he going, he wants to go somewhere where he can win. Um, you know, he was, he was here at a place that, again, they just made the playoffs. Is he going to look at this team and be like, yeah, this is where I'm ready to go. Um, where, you know, they're still in the middle of rebuilding. I just don't feel like Washington is quite as close as they think that they are. I don't know that they're as attractive as they think that they are. I was going to say, I sense some skepticism with your one, just a quarterback away with that line of thinking. I sense some skepticism here. Yeah, they're, 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 they're not there. Um, You know, and they're building, but man, there's a lot that still that they need. I think when you look at some of these rosters and you compare them with theirs. um, So again, Anybody can can, you know, make a leap, um, you know, if they have health, uh, but they got a lot they got to resolve before, you know, a veteran quarterback who's been in the league for a while and has fallen short in it because everybody's going to want a, a Matt Stafford type of situation. You know, mm-hmm. I mean, you know, Tom Brady goes from the Patriots to the Bucks and boom, they win a championship. Matt Stafford goes from, you know, years of disappointment and frustration in Detroit and he goes to the Rams and wins a championship. You know, all these veterans, you know, Russell Wilson wasn't talking about one and out of Seattle so we could go help a rebuilding Washington team. Um, you know, all these teams, these guys that are starting to get there up there, you know, towards the thirties or a little beyond, they, they want to win. When you're at the combine, when you hear talk of Washington, how much do people talk about the ownership ownership situation? Does it, is it a topic, whether, you know, privately among agents, among anybody? Yeah, I did have a number of people who talked about it, and they basically said that nothing's going to change here until the owner's gone. Um, you know, I mean, that was uh, the consensus that a number of people had there. I just like, man, what a mess that is. Um, so, um, you know, it, unfortunately, that that stench is still there uh, for people, and a lot of people respect Ron um, and you know his coaching staff, but at the same time, they know that this thing is kind of like Gilligan's Island where, you know, the episode, you know, the, the events change, but you always wind up stuck on the Island. Um, and uh, they know who the owner is and they can slap some new paint on it and, you know, you know, have a revolving door at quarterback and change the name and everything. But the guy who's leading it is still the same guy. And uh, there's a reason why they haven't won in years 
um, and, you know, consistently. And so people kind of feel like, you know, eh, here they go again. So are you talking about the episode where Gilligan did something stupid and the skipper got mad at him? You saw that one? Yeah. You saw that one? <laughs> yeah. um, but but it would, did, the, did the possibility of ownership change come up or do people just assume like nothing's going to happen? Um, the, the people that I talked to, it seems like they felt like nothing is going to happen because, again, um, these owners uh, are, are in bed with each other. Um, if you, I mean, as we saw, you know, Jerry Jones had said that he felt like the league did a great job of disciplining um, Snyder and was adequate. Well, then we find out why, because Jerry Jones and them had reached settlements, you know, with with uh, cheerleaders, uh, former cheerleaders. Um, every single one of these guys has some type of skeletons in their closet. And if they oust Snyder or, you know, they set a precedent that, OK, you're accused, boom, you're ousted. And then, you know, then what's going to stop people from coming at them? Um I've heard more intrigue or concern about the Stephen Ross stuff with uh, the potentially throwing games because of the gambling implications. Sure. And that's money um, more so than um, the Snyder thing. Do you think this would keep free agents or players from signing here, from wanting to come here? Or, as, you know, a lot of times you talk to agents and they just say it's about the money. Right. Right. No. And it is. Um it's about the money and about the opportunity. Um, right. How close are you to wanting to win? Um, you know, and it's just, you know, everybody, you know, that has a price tag, you know, and they have a dollar amount in their mind. And if they can get it, then they're like, hey, well, maybe I can be part of the change, um, you know, and, and some people will be OK with that. Some people won't, um, you know, but if you're comparing two teams and the money is similar and you have a more stable situation, then you're going to opt for that rather than the dysfunction. But I don't think that it'll, um, I mean, outside the quarterback, um, I don't think that, you know, it'll, it'll hurt them too, too much. Um, what do you think happens with Rogers? No, I, I mean, I think he goes back to green Bay. I mean, I talked to a number of people um, last week um, when I was doing something on that and there's a, a, a sense of, of optimism. I wouldn't say quite confidence, but there's there are people close to that organization that organization who have who feel like pretty good that he's coming back there. Um, you know, there's okay the way that things ended there in San Francisco. Does he really want his last game as a Packer to be you know such a disappointing showing against San Francisco? Because again, look, they lost, but it wasn't because he did everything possible. Um, you know, the defense kept them in that game and, you know, special teams, um, did not play well, but Rogers himself did not play well at all. Um, and, you know, and they could hardly score, um, you know, so does he want his legacy, uh, ending in green Bay like that? One person said they didn't think so. Um, and again, things have gotten to, it's just the tone when he talks about the organization, about the GM, um, the first three people that he thanked with his MVP were um, Gutenkust and Mark Murphy and, um, you know, the, the executive VP of football operations ball. Um, so, and then he went on to mass uh, to uh, Matt LaFleur. Uh, so I, from talking to people, I feel like he's going to be back there. Now, again, he's a different guy. He could change his mind, whatever. Uh, but I think, my my money is on Green Bay. Deshaun Watson, because and you know, I'm sure you know, like this team is consider is has or is considering him. So like, yeah. I, I don't know that it, you can dismiss that for them. 
whether or not they would pull it off or would they attempt to pull it off, don't know yet, but it's certainly something that's been in discussion. So what do yeah. you think happens with him? You know, I know a lot of people are going to say like this team should not be in the market for him for obvious reasons. Well, okay. Say that um, there are no criminal charges and everything is settled and, you know, either it's dropped or it goes away or whatever. This team most definitely is going to pick up the phone and try to find it. You know what I mean? Um, you know, they're there from what I gather, he's still in there on their list of potential targets. Yep. Yep. Um, you know, uh, what happens there? I really don't know. Um, I, I feel like, you know, I mean, time is getting short here. I talked to people who felt like that before the start of free agency, he was going to have this stuff resolved, whether it's by settlements or whatever. Um, and that way, you know, they know what they're getting into and what his future is going to be. And, you know, as far as like, legally but i mean you know it, it's we're, we're close um so i believe someone said that he's exhausting all resources um so i believe that they're trying to make sure they have a resolution by the start of free agency i don't know if it will be the case um but i i feel like okay he's going to play this year denver's been a mentioned as a possibility but again, we don't know when this stuff is going to be resolved. Right, that's um, and, you know, that's that's the tough thing about it. And there hasn't been a whole lot of news or anything coming out, which makes you think that maybe um, they're still working kind of feverishly trying to get something resolved. Um, last thing, you and I have covered quite a few new head coaches in this league. I mean, you look at like, I mean, the guys that we were around, it was Sean, it was Kyle, it was LaFleur, it's... Um, now Mike McDaniel, you got Kevin yeah. O'Connell. How surprised are you to see all these guys elevate to that position? I would have never in a million years looking at Mike McDaniel in 2010 and thought this guy's a future head coach. Agreed, agreed. Um, now, three years ago when I went to training camp um, and saw, I guess it's two years ago, it's all bringing together. Two years ago, um, went to training camp and saw how active and hands-on he was as Kyle was just kind of standing back. And I was like, wow, this guy has grown up. This guy has changed um, a lot. And he is very, you know, it sounds crazy, uh, but I see why he's a head coach. Now he's a little bit different. I had wondered, okay, once he gets in front of these owners, I mean, you know, is he, are they going to connect with him? Are they going to get his humor? Um, but he's, again, he's definitely quirky. He's, he's, yeah, he's a quirky guy, but players like him. Um, you know, and, and people would ask me, dude, what are the locker room? Gonna, but players like this guy. So, you know, I, 2010 me would have never thought that he was going to be a head coach. Uh, 2000, you know, 19 me could start to see it. Um, and so that's interesting. Kevin O'Connell, surprised he's a head coach as quickly as he yeah. is. Now, once the hiring cycle started, I did talk to a number of people who thought that he had a good chance to get one um, this offseason. And so, you know, and here he is. Um, but it's just it's just something that here we were, um, you know, what is this, a, a third of the uh, the coaches in the, in the NFL uh, had were here. Um, you know, it feels like it's crazy, um, but it just goes to show you that it's not just about the coaching, everything's got to be, your front office has got to be on the right. same page. Right. Um, and then once these coaches got in situations where they have 
um, you know, the, the front front office and the head coach are on the same page and they are, everybody's moving to the same direction, uh, pulling rope, um, then you can have success. And, you know, that's what each one of these guys have fallen into situations or, or worked their way into situations like that. And you never know if Washington, if Dan Snyder and Bruce Allen and Mike Shanahan could have all been on the same page, it just makes you wonder, man, what could have happened here? Uh, but there's just too much dysfunction because there's no way that these sharp coaches, Kyle, Mike, uh, I'm Matt LaFleur, Sean McVay, are three of the most successful and prolific offensive coaches in the league right now when they all were working together in Washington. Um, it should have turned out better than what it did. It did. And, you know, the other guy that and this would this would lead to a whole other discussion. So we don't need to go down the whole road. But the guy that I want to see get a job is Raheem Morris. Because because yes. like he he deserves it. He you know, I know. Like, you know, he got fired after a couple of years in Tampa Bay, but he was very young. And I yeah. like that he's gone to the, he went to the offensive side of the ball to learn. Then he went back to defense. He's done a good job with there. I think he's a personable guy. Players like, like him a lot. So, but he's a guy that who we are also around that I would love to see get another chance. Yes, he should. He should have gotten a job this past. Um, I mean, he did a masterful job throughout the, the, the playoffs um, and in the Super Bowl, um, he should have gotten a head coaching job. I would say he should have gotten one before Kevin O'Connell. Um, but, you know, we'll see what happens as far as next year goes um, again. But, you know, yeah, he was young. He learned a lot from that situation here. Um, you know, if Adam Gase can get uh, a second chance and get a head coaching job and he blew that second chance. But if he can get a second chance Raheem Morris definitely should get a second chance. Um, and, you know, we'll, we'll see how that plays out. Uh, but it's just interesting, you know, when we're talking about guys in better situations, even Joe Barry, I'm not saying future head coach, but Joe Barry proved himself to be really good at running a defense um, up in Green Bay because he's got the pieces that fit the system, which, you know, in Washington, Jim Hazlitt, Joe Barry, they always were running systems where they were trying to fit kind of Never pegs into square holes, right? Um, and now you see what some of these guys can do when they actually have the right pieces um, to, and so again, so much goes into this. It's not always just, you know, are you a smart head coach? Well, what else, what else are you working with and everything like that? I think, and just, and I appreciate you coming on. What, what you said is the key front office coaches have to be on the same page. And for so long here, that wasn't the case. And right. people butting in who didn't have the expertise to really do that or shouldn't be doing that. So we'll see if it is now, but then the owner has to stay out of the quarterback decision and we don't know if that'll happen. So Mike, thank you very much for coming on. Always appreciate it. And people need to follow you on Twitter and I will have already told them where, but if you want to tell them again, go ahead. Yeah. It's at by Mike Jones um, on Twitter, usatoday.com. And um, yeah, thanks for having me, man. Always good catching up with you. All right, Jonesy. That's it for this episode. Thanks to Mike for joining me and thank you as always for listening. I'll be back with another episode on Wednesday. And by the way, I'm going to be talking to former tight end Logan Paulson this week. I'll talk to you next time. <laughs>